owns children to Abraham. So don't think you're good with God or everything's okay, you're right with him, just because you are of the same descent. So James is not drawing attention to that fleshly uh, uh, connection as a Jew or being uh, of Mary. Instead, he is drawing attention to his service to Christ. And I think it's a great example of humility. So this is how James identifies himself, uh, that he is the servant of Christ. All right, so let's now look at our audience. We talked about this a little bit already. We see our audience is uh, uh, stated there in verse 1. I'm having a little trouble with my PowerPoint, but uh, our uh, audience uh, is stated in the second half of verse 1. There we go. Our audience is the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. The audience is the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Now, interestingly, James does not mention a specific church. In the letters of Paul, they uh, are all, unless you include Hebrews as a letter of Paul, they all address either an individual or the church, uh, the particular church and location where he's writing. In the book of James, there's no church mentioned here. Um, but he is referring to Jewish people. He says here the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. And again, this makes a lot of sense, understanding that James is the local pastor in Jerusalem, and he's writing to believers who've been scattered abroad. So he's writing to Jewish people, um, which was the primary makeup of the early church, um, and, but yet it was not just Jewish people in general. Specifically, he's writing to those who have come to trust in Jesus Christ. If you look down at uh, chapter 2, chapter 2 and verse 1 of James, he specifically mentions this by saying, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. So James is clearly writing to Jewish people scattered abroad, who are believers, those who have come to trust in Christ. And again, it makes a lot of sense that it's probably James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, writing to these people who used to be members in the local church in Jerusalem, but due to persecution have been scattered around, as it were told in Acts. And some, they went to Judea and Samaria and Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. And so James desires to minister to these scattered believers that have had to move because of persecution. So our audience is the Jewish believers that have been dispersed. So the question then, I think our third question that we did not answer yet, is what is the date of the book of James? What is the date of the book of James. When, when was it written? So, it's hard to be exactly precise, but I think there's a few guideposts. Um, number one, James, the brother of our Lord, is reported to have been martyred uh, between 62 and 63 A.D. 
So if it is him, and I believe there's a lot of sound evidence as, as well as historical evidence uh, that that is him, um, he was martyred in 62 AD. It's one of the earliest books, so that would be very early to come before that. There also was the Jerusalem Council that we mentioned in Acts 15. The estimated dates of that are 48 to 49 AD, and given that that council dealt with the issue of the Gentile believers in the church, and James in this epistle makes no mention of that issue whatsoever, and he's specifically writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, it seems very probable that it was written before that time. So therefore, the uh, likely dates of this book are uh, 45 to 47 A.D. 45 to 47 A.D. So that is the probable time that this was written. Now, if you look at that verse again, you look at the greeting, the last word of that verse says greetings. Again, it's a significant contrast to what we see in many of the epistles and letters of Paul. Um, we see Paul many times writing extended greetings. Sometimes they take up a whole chapter with his greetings or his uh, initial conversation with them. Um, but James here is very brief. And in part, that could be that he's writing to a general audience, not necessarily one local church. But it might also be an indication of his style and his personality, that he is very direct and to the point. And I think of all the books in the New Testament, this book is a very direct, and uh, one, one uh, person I had seen talking about the book of James online said it's, it's what is uh, uh, called, and we mean this respectfully, the bossiest book in the New Testament. And the reason for that is the, the number of imperatives uh, or commands in the book of James is the highest number per word of any other book in the Bible. So it is full of very direct confrontational commands. And we'll see that as we begin to study the book. So perhaps a bit of the personality there uh, coming out in this initial greeting. Um, I want to turn your attention, though, with the time we have left this morning, to focus on some major themes. So, as I mentioned, we basically only get to look at one verse this morning, but I want to introduce them to you, some of the big ideas that we're going to see throughout this book. So, the first one that we're going to look at has to do with a subject I think we're all familiar with. If we know much about the book of James, this is probably one of the topics that we uh, think of right away. And that is the subject of how we use our tongue. The book of James has, I, th I think, perhaps one of the longest, if not the longest, passage on the proper use of the tongue. In chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, James very forcefully illustrates uh, the danger of the tongue and the difficulty of the tongue in trying to wield and control it and its destructive powers. But what may not be as obvious to you is James also speaks about the tongue in many other places. So if you were to look at verse 119, James talks about the need to be slow to speak. It's more important to listen and obey the word of God than to be quick to talk. He says it's important to be slow of speech. 
He also says in 4.11 that we need to not speak evil of one another. So clearly, one of the concerns that James has in writing this letter is how people are speaking, the things that they're saying. Probably were some divisions and difficulties that he was aware of. So he's addressing that. He also says in 5.9 that we're not to grumble against one another. He says in verse 12 of chapter 5 that we are to be careful not to make mindless oaths. And we are also to use our tongue in prayer, in confessing our faults to one another, and singing praises. So the book of James has a whole lot to say about our tongue. And we will not get into much, uh, any more uh, details on that today, but certainly that will be a big topic as we continue to go forward in the book of James. Uh, another topic that James talks about that, again, may be a familiar one, and if you were asked about James, you might think of this one, and that is the subject of wisdom. James has several things to say about wisdom right from the beginning. In James 1.5, he talks about lacking wisdom. If we need wisdom as we're going through a trial, he, he says we should pray. We should ask God for wisdom. It's what we need as we go through trials and hardships in life. We also see that wisdom is needed for proper speech. As he talks in uh, chapter 3 uh, about our tongue, uh, wisdom is necessary to govern that and uh, be careful the things that we say. And we also need wisdom to help govern and control um, our actions. He talks about that in 3.13 to 18, um, where he talks about what's true wisdom, uh, spiritual wisdom versus worldly wisdom, and our need to operate according to wisdom. So wisdom is certainly a major theme. Now, our next theme, our last theme that I was going to introduce as one of the major themes and not the theme, is that of perseverance. So, I knew at this point you'd be getting a little weary with lots of explanations, so I thought I'd introduce a few pictures for you to bring you back and uh, capture your attention. So my wife and I recently had an opportunity to go on a trip, a trip with our church, to work with the missionary in the uh, country of China. So I trust you know what that is in China. That is the Great Wall of China. So that's from my wife's camera that we were there. Um, on our last day in China, it's, it's a little fuzzy in my memory, a lot of things real quick. On our last day, and we went up early in the morning, we went up to the Great Wall of China, and that's uh, a picture from the section we were looking at. I have a couple more pictures, so just another look at it. Um, and uh, this is maybe a little bit more helpful to understand for the illustration of perseverance. We actually climb that. Now, I had never been to China before. I didn't know much about the Great Wall other than it was very long. And it's, I think it's one of, one of, if not the only, man-made thing that you can see from outer space is the Great Wall of China. Um, and I believe they told us it was about 8,000 kilometers. Uh, it's, so it's around 5,500 miles in length, a phenomenal thing. But what I did not fully understand was how steep it was. It's very steep. And my wife took this picture, which I think helps illustrate that a little bit. 
So if, if you can see that, the steps go up pretty quickly. Now there were places where the steps were long and didn't go up very much, but then there were other places where that was reversed and it was very steep. So it was a difficult climb. We had been busy all week. We were working at a, at a camp and uh, worked basically from Monday to Saturday. So then this is uh, Monday and we're very tired, but we climbed the Great Wall and uh, we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't see all 8,000 kilometers, but uh, we did stay in our little section and by the grace of God, and it did take prayer, I managed to get to the pinnacle of that section that we were at. So I got to the highest point. But that was a difficult task. It took endurance. It took perseverance and determination because it was hard. And this actually is one of James' main themes in this book. James introduces the subject of perseverance very early. In fact, he brings it out in relation to trials in chapter 1. And it will be one of the things that we talk about next week um, as we look at trials from the book of James. So James says that trials produce perseverance. God brings trials in our lives to strengthen our faith, to strengthen our walk, so that we will keep going and not abandon him, turn away from him. God uses trials to cause us to persevere. And perseverance is a big subject in James. So he talks about it in relation to trials. He also talks about it um, in relation to uh, uh, being blessed at persevering through trials. So in verse 12, he says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trials. So God blesses those who persevere. And there's actually a whole section in chapter 5 where he emphasizes our need to persevere until the Lord returns. So perseverance is a major theme. Now, although these are all major themes, the major theme, the theme that unifies it all together, has been admittedly a difficult topic because on first read of the book of James, it may seem that it's different types of difficulties in Christian life or in the church that are just kind of joined together. In fact, there have been some prominent people in church history that have taken that viewpoint. For example, uh, Martin Luther, during the time of the Reform Reformation, um, wasn't the biggest fan of the book of James because he had come to trust in Christ through the reading of Paul's letters and his emphasis on justification by faith. So he had a little bit of difficulty understanding the relationship that James talks about justification uh, to what Paul said. And so that wasn't one of his favorite things, uh, wasn't one of his favorite books. And he talked about it being a loosely banded together set of ideas. Um, and while there's debate about this, I, I will admit to you, I'm influenced by my, uh, the teaching that I've had in my life, and uh, my Greek professor um, is ultimately where I uh, get confirmation on my opinion of this, and that is the book of James I see as a major theme is that of tests of a living faith. 
So I believe we can look at the entire book of James and see how James is talking about a true living faith, a genuine faith, and how as genuine believers we will and should respond to the various things that come up. So that will be the overall governing theme that we'll be looking at in the book of James. So just to give you an idea of some of those topics that we'll be talking about the next three weeks, we talked about trials a lot in ver- uh, because that comes first, uh, starting right with verse 2. A living faith causes, uh, a living faith grows through trials. I believe that's what James is going to uh, teach us in those uh, first few verses as we look at it. Um, living faith also hears and obeys the Word of God. There's much about listening. We said verse 19, um, that whole section there talks about being a doer of the Word. Someone who has true faith will not only hear what God's Word says, but will obey it. Living faith hears and obeys. Living faith also loves one's neighbor. It talks about not being partial favoring some people that are rich and may be able to do favors for us. But living faith loves one's neighbor as oneself. Um, Living faith also produces works demonstrating it is living faith. That's uh, one of the most prominent sections and well-known sections of James is that section in 2.14 to 26 where James talks about true faith produces works. If you say that you believe in Jesus Christ and your life does not change, you will not obey Him, that doesn't match because a true faith will produce works. It results in a changed life. All right. And living faith also speaks wisely in controlling the tongue and um, many others. I couldn't fit on the PowerPoint and we need to save for coming weeks anyway. But that is the main theme we'll be looking at in the book of James, a living faith, a true, a genuine faith, and how it handles the problems and difficulties of life and in the church. James speaks very pointedly to many issues um, about our faith and what we need to do and how we need to respond. So one of the questions that I've learned as a helpful question for me anytime I'm trying to look at a passage of Scripture and think about the message it's trying to teach us. One of the things I've learned through my uh, seminary teaching has been to think about what is the unique thing about this passage of Scripture that if we didn't have it, we might not understand as clearly or may not be spoken to. Um, Scripture does work together in helping us to understand many things, and we interpret Scripture by Scripture. But many times we look at a passage and we see unique contributions that are made, and that helps us understand the significance and application many times of that passage. So what is that for the book of James? And I would say the most prominent thing, although James does say some really helpful things about the tongue, and it's not necessarily a deep and theological book, I think the most helpful thing that James contributes uniquely is that genuine faith produces works. And in a few weeks, when we get to James chapter 2 and verses 14 and 26, we'll see that topic. That is a very important, significant conclusion from the book of James. So, now, in conclusion, you have graciously 
stayed awake for the most part that I can tell, and hung with me. So now I ask you, in thinking about all the stuff we just learned, not necessarily going to be a life changer just based on this introduction, but what can you do in response to this? What benefit could this have to you? And I would say a couple things. Number one, we're going to be studying the book of James for several weeks. So what you can do is you can, ahead of time, read through the book of James. Read what James has written. I would encourage you to read what the book of James says and think about things that are questions. Are there things that you read that don't make sense and you don't know and, and hopefully many of those questions would be addressed in that, that uh, passage as we, we talk about that. But they might not be. And that might be a great follow-up conversation after a message that, that's not addressed. But read ahead. Think about what it says. Be, be prepared to hear and, as James talks about, not just read and listen, but to actually prepare our hearts to obey. And that would tie into the second thing I would say you could do, which would be to pray. You could pray about our upcoming messages in the book of James. Pray that God would use the book of James to help you. Perhaps you're going through difficult trials right now. And you need wisdom like he talks about here in verse 5 of chapter 1. Going through a trial, you need wisdom. Pray that God would give you wisdom and be an encouragement to you as we go through this. Perhaps there will be areas of your life that need shoring up, that need strengthening. Or perhaps you're aware of others in the church that have needs around these things. Pray for them as we go through these things. But I encourage you to pray. And I also would appreciate your prayers in studying that God would show me that I would correctly understand what has been said and communicate that clearly and accurately and effectively so that you're not falling asleep and finding it difficult and hard to follow along but that it could be communicated in a way that would be helpful. So I encourage you, you can read ahead and you can pray. Those are some things we can do. So let's go ahead and pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have revealed yourself through your Son and through your Word. Thank you that we have your Word that we can understand and obey Help us, Father, to benefit from these things you've written here in the book of James. We know it was not just a human author. It was you working through James to record these things. Help us to benefit from it. Help us to grow. Help us to be encouraged. Please strengthen us that we would persevere. Please help us to be more careful in how we use our tongue. Help us to be diligent in seeking you and seeking to understand what you have for us in this book. And may it be a great blessing, encouragement, and help to us over the next few weeks and months. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.